This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with Richie Ote. What's up, my brother? How you doing there, sir? Excellent. Excellent, 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 excellent. Wade is uh, holding it down in the studio over there, my man. I actually sound a little bit hot right now. Check those uh, levels. just coming in a little bit hot on that. Thank you, sir. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'll check my headphones. There you go. I can just do exactly that. All right. Hanging out here. Mary Goulet is out doing her volunteer work in the world. We appreciate you and love you for that, Mary. And we will see you back here in the studio next week. Uh, this week, I'm doing my very best uh, Barry White impression. <laughs> this is what happens when I get the uh, the little frog in the throat. And, um, you know, just uh, I just I start uh, embodying the uh, the once great Barry White. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, ladies. Uh, all right. So, so much going on in the world. And, um, man, just I got to tell you, from from my perspective, just really um, – let me bring it to to what's going on in our world very specifically here. Just really loving on uh, on our community right now. You guys are leaving lots of great ratings, great reviews. Uh, many of you have joined us in person uh, for our various events. Uh, we just finished up our Launch Your Podcast two-day intensive where we literally take people from zero to launch with their own podcast in just two days and just love that experience uh we give everybody equipment and do the art and the intro the outro the i mean you name it monetization like we, we cover it all there at that uh and it's just been a really great experience now i think this is the third one that we've done i think we'll do another one in uh july and then another one in november after that so oh wow Getting yeah three in a year i think so yeah because, it's part of why you're Voice has got the frog, right? I mean, a little bit. Just that. You yeah. Have... Yeah. It's been it's been a crazy week-ish or so. It started out about a week ago, Tuesday. So going on 10 days now almost of, uh, of working with uh, with our community there at the Icon Maker program. We had people in from uh, Icon Maker. So we do a year-long guidance, accountability, and done-for-you services uh, program called Icon Maker. And we give people an opportunity to really build their new media machine over the course of a year and have guidance and accountability and coaching and so on. So we had the Icon Makers in and uh, did a couple of VIP days and uh, and then we did the Launcher Podcast two-day intensive and I had a speaking gig in front of about 500 people. Uh, so if you are looking for a speaker to talk about leveraging the power of new media, I do a lot of speaking on that subject as well so thanks to craig for that invite that was a, a rocking good time as well so no pun intended no pun intended because that show was called rockstar marketing so there you go so that was uh, that was a great show craig does over there that he does in la twice a year and i uh, appreciate the invite on that so lots going on and uh and the the, the voice is a bit fried here yeah so why not just wrap it all up with two hours of podcasting and let's just do it all with two hours of podcasting exactly <laughs> and uh and that the least of which is then i got to sit down and i or i i i get to sit down uh, by choice with some uh, awesome folks on uh on, we're doing a we're releasing a new program appropriately enough called closing from the stage which teaches people how to enroll from the stage uh and sharing presentation psychology and how to enroll people into low, medium, and high-ticket offers and exactly what all that looks like. So 
man, I'm sitting down with some old school folks like Joe Bauer and uh, Marshall Silver and, uh, and some oh, nice. new school folks like Lisa Sasevich and Christian Michelson and Mike Koenigs and sharing all that. And anyway, that uh, that is coming out uh, very, very soon. And so I'm sitting down with a couple more interviews here over the next couple of days. So, no, the voice does not get uh, arrested. And I got to yell at my kids, you know, <laughs> got to keep them little, 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 little guys in, uh, in order there. So that is what is going on in my world and uh, super excited because one of the participants who came to the launch your podcast two-day intensive is joining us here on the line today as we are looking to well let, let's let's do this let, let's bring on uh barbara right now so we got barbara hales who uh is I, did you get back to florida already are you back in florida i am back in florida yeah you're back in florida did you have a uh, did you have a safe journey back all good well, good. Yeah, good, 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 good. So, um, before we jump into it, tell us about your uh, your experience with the Launcher Podcast Two Day Intensive. How how was that for you? Well, I thought that it was so awesome, so necessary for where I am in my evolution and development. And it's a program that I really recommend to anybody who is serious about taking their business to the next level. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, have you kicked uh, around? I know we were talking about a couple different things, but. Do you, do, have you settled in on a name? Where where are you at with a name at this point? Oh, I'm ready to go. I have about five segments in the can that I'm going to be sending you away. Nice. And uh, I have the name. I have I have your mentorship. And uh, how much more does a person need? Yeah, right. So what 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 did we settle on as far as the final name of of your new podcast that you're launching? The name of my podcast is Marketing Tips for Doctors. Yeah. And what it is is marketing tips for doctors yeah well there you go <laughs> it, sounds, it is what it is there's uh there's no secrets there so let me let me ask you this now marketing tips for doctors that'll be the name of the new show yeah let's let's take a few steps back because uh, i want folks to understand where you came from uh why you're able then to to do this in terms of put together you know putting together a show that is specifically geared towards doctors. So give folks an understanding of, uh, of your background. I am a physician. I had a private practice where I enjoyed the relationship with my patients for almost 30 years. But, you know, it, there comes a time when you know that you need to move on. You know, patients were like family members, uh, whether it was to get diagnosed and treated or just to share the joys um, that I had with them, their their life experiences. I was, you know, grateful that they came. We shed some tears. Uh, we had touching moments, sorrows, joys. Um, we cried when their sons and daughters went off to war. We cried at the birth of beautiful babies. But most of all, we just cherished life. Yeah. However, you know, um, the medicine of today does not bear any resemblance to the one that I was immersed in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so let's let's talk about that because I know you're on a mission to, to really help people in terms of being able to, to deal best with their doctors. And I know you, you also, of course, want to help medical practitioners as well with their, you know, with their practices and so on. But let, let's take a look at it from the standpoint of the, of the patient perspective. What, um, I mean, there's so many different directions to go with this, but what bothers you the most in terms of what is going on right now in the in the world of medicine and, and patient relations, and as, in terms of you know the, the patient doctor relationship, patient 
hospital relationship, patient billing relations, like all of the above? Well, we've come to a crossroads of medicine. There are some great changes. You know, years ago, it was uh, patriarchal. Patient came to the office. The doctor told the patient uh, what to do. There were no options involved. And then the patient uh, did it or didn't do it to their peril. But fortunately, we now have uh, empowered and educated patients. And by them knowing what is uh, going on with themselves and the options that are available, there are much, much better outcomes. Mm -hmm. For instance, if a patient understands what hypertension is, why they need to take medication, um, and uh, you know what the adverse reactions would be if they didn't take the medication, uh, they'd take it even though they, there are no symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, for too many, when there were no symptoms involved, they said, I'm feeling fine, uh, so I'm going to stop my medication. The next thing you know, they had a heart attack or a stroke. Mm-hmm. So, you know, patients really need to be uh, in a loop and kept abreast, really, of what's going on. They need to be educated. The thing is, Steve, you know, really, doctors and patients are on the same team. You know, it's like a two-headed coin. No matter how you flip it, both doctor and patient wins. Because it's not like I'm just helping doctors or I'm just helping patients. You know, both of them are really not at odds with each other when you look at it. You know, helping the doctor to disseminate the information and helping the patient get the, get this information is only going to help both of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would imagine if the patient isn't transparent with the doctor, the doctor can't perform their duties as well either, right? It's, it's got to be a co-creation together, kind of. Absolutely. It, there's no point in keeping uh, something about yourself a secret from the doctor because that's going to alter the treatment options available. Mm-hmm. So l- l- let me ask you this. I mean, you've been do you do you still have and just so everybody's clear here do you still have an open practice are you still practicing uh on a on a consistent basis in any way no i don't have uh, patients per se i do some consulting mm-hmm. but now i really am devoted to advocating for both doctor and patient you you could consider me a bridge between the two mhm So I'm helping the doctor and I'm helping the patient. So I'm really bridging the gap between both of them so that, you know, medical care is improved. Gotcha. So what what, what does that look like, though? I mean, in terms of how what what do you tell folks to do that others aren't aren't like what's kind of the, the secret sauce here that we need to know about? Well, the more a physician partners with their patients, the more manageable medical issues become. You know, the challenge is that it's so hard to build that kind of relationship when you only get to see a patient for eight to 10 minutes, once a year or every six months. And the patients complain that when they go to the doctor's office, they're not seeing the eyes of the doctor. They're seeing just the top of the head as doctors spend most of the time doing data entry on their digital health records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I recommend to doctors, which uh, would which actually saves time for the doctor, 
and improves relationships with the patients as well as getting the patients to be more compliant because they understand things better is to have a website that has videos, pictures, articles, explanations of all the conditions that you treat and the services that you provide your patients. This way they go on the site, they know whether a treatment or a medication is contraindicated for them or whether it would help them. They understand what the medications are for. They understand if they have a particular ailment, what their symptoms are for. And it gives them, by having a better understanding, uh, better uh, treatment options and better compliance with the treatment options that they that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Steve, uh, people are going online now to get information about themselves. They are looking at various websites. They're looking at their symptoms. They're going into forums and chat rooms, and they're self-diagnosing themselves, regardless of whether they understand exactly what they're reading. What I'm telling doctors is if patients are going to go online to get their information, for which studies show 8 out of 10 patients are doing that now, mm-hmm. um, as long as they're going online to get their information, wouldn't you be the one that you want your patients to get the Im- information from? Yeah. Yeah, let, let, let me ask you this. And, and Richie, you know, I know you, you've got stuff going on right now with Dad, and so this is probably a pretty apropos conversation here. But let, let me just ask you this, Barbara. I mean, being an insider, um, not many of us have had the opportunity to to really get sort of the inside information around how medical practitioners look at what it is that they do. When, when you were practicing, did you and do other doctors, is it, is it really just, a business here? I mean, are we really just talking about let's get as many things going on for this patient as possible so that we can make as much money as possible? Like, I'm just trying to understand what what's the fine line here between really being of service, which, you know, again, I think that the heart is in the right place, but once the wallet kicks into all of this, is it, this is a big business, right? Well, unfortunately, it may be so now, and there are always in every career and vocation that you have, there are going to be some people that are in it for themselves. But in medicine, most physicians before and even now are really dedicated to their patients. Where it differs is that when I practiced, you had compensation not only by third-party payers, but by patients themselves and a lot of different third-party payers with a wide range of reimbursement so that you could really spend quality time with your patient, speak to them about issues that they had medically, and even speak to them about uh, things that concern them as individuals. However, now with electronic uh, data entry and a lot of people working for hospitals instead of private practice, the amount of time that they're dictated to see patients in has drastically reduced. Mm -hmm. So in in many ways and in many locations, it's gone from, you know, seeing a person from 15 to 30 minutes to being dictated to see patients every, you know, five to eight minutes. 
Um, if you see patients for that short a time, you're really limited as to what you could say and what you could hear and what you could do. Mm-hmm. So what, what kind of money are they making? I mean, like when you start adding that many patients you know, to the queue there, what, what kind of money are we looking at? You know, it really isn't reimbursement. If I saw my patients for free, they still would have hefty bills in terms of, you know, the lab, which, you know, I didn't get kickbacks. You know, it, it's what they paid the lab or what they paid the hospital or what they paid for surgery and the IV solutions. Um, if you were to remove the or decrease doctors' fees, it really would not appreciably change the amount of money that the nation pays for healthcare overall. It's really not the doctor. And if somebody like Bernie Sanders has his way where everybody is now Medicare, the amount of money that patient, that doctors will be receiving will be drastically reduced. Why this is important for doctors as well as patients, and patients should be concerned about this too, even though there would be more coverage, is that the expenses that the doctor's office has have not declined. Mm-hmm. They have to make a certain amount of money to meet their bills or they're going to be closing their doors. So that means they have to see more patients and in a shorter time to, to make their uh, bills, you know, their payments or, you know, they're, they're going to have to sell their practice to a hospital and either work for the hospital or move on. This is not good practice for patients because you are decreasing the doctors in the area or the types of patients or, or the types of medical care that you can seek. The only alternative would be to go to a concierge doctor where you don't go through your insurance at all and just pay for it, which works fine for somebody that can afford it. But for the person that can't afford it, like everything else in life, they're getting screwed. Yeah, I mean, that actually makes a lot of sense. And a friend of mine was over here from Poland. He actually works for EY and he does international stuff. And his wife is going through, um, unfortunately, uh, treatment for cancer. And social medicine over there, to your point with, with Bernie, it sounds good on paper that everybody would be taken care of. But he came back to America because the quality of care goes down when, you know, it, I can't remember the exact numbers he said, but he would go to a hospital there and be one doctor for like 20 patients. And here there'd be like one doctor for four patients and two nurses. And, you know, so you, a lot more higher quality care. So it's kind of a catch 22. It reminds me a little bit of, of uh, Michael Gerber's Sally is a great baker, but that doesn't necessarily mean Sally could open a bakery. There's still a business. So there's two things going on. It's them being a good doctor and it's them being able to run this business. So it's an interesting kind of conundrum they're in. Absolutely. And the thing is, what we need to do is find the good doctors and help them out with their business so that patients can get to them and they have their choices. So how, I mean... Steve normally takes the segue, but I'm really interested, like what, what got you into the marketing aspect and doing copywriting and what exactly is it you do for doctors in your reinvention? 
When I started practice, I, w- I knew I wanted to go into private practice because I wanted to have hands-on personal care with and interactions with the patients that I had. I didn't want to just have patients that were from the hospital that saw any doctor on any given day. I wanted to have a meaningful relationship with my patients. However, I did not buy an existing practice. So I thought out how I was going to, you know, develop my business. I scouted out the area and found uh, an office that I thought would be ideal, decorated it, got the equipment, got the business loans, and had a lot of confidence, naive as that might be. So I opened the doors with no patients. Mm -hmm. And you looked at the telephone, crickets. So obviously I was going to need to do something fast because... You know, I had staff to pay, I had insurance to pay, I had loans to pay, and I was determined to make it. So right from the beginning, I started marketing myself. And when I finished seeing uh, my practice, I had gone from zero patients to over 10,000 active patients. So, you know, I was pretty experienced when I left at what worked and what didn't in terms of marketing a medical practice. Now that I'm not having my own practice, I really feel that it is, you know, almost my duty to carry that on to help doctors out. You know, it is really shocking to me and probably many others to know that even in today's day and age that there are doctors who still don't have their own website. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, if you ask a doctor if they market themselves, they say, listen, I don't have the time. I don't know how to do it. And it's unethical, isn't it? But the fact is marketing is only telling people where you exist, your location, and what services you provide. That's marketing. Can you imagine not doing that? Can you imagine saying, yeah, I have a practice, but I'm not telling you where it is. You're going to have to stumble on it yourself. Or I have a practice and I have services that I provide, but you're going to have to guess as to what I do. Of course not. That Doesn't that sound silly? So the thing is, you need to market where you are. You need to tell patients and prospective patients where you're located and the services that you can provide for them. It's as simple as that. Yeah, no, it t- totally makes sense. I'm trying to, and I don't want to beat the horse here, but I'm just trying to really understand it. And, and look, I, I totally get it from the standpoint of, you know, you want to you wanna make sure as a, as a business professional, no matter what business you're in, of course, you, you know, you're, you're marketing effectively so people know that you exist. If you don't mind, I just would like to spend another few minutes here from because you provide inside information that others, you know, frankly, aren't so freely providing. Right. I mean, just it's it's interesting being able to talk to somebody who has had their own practice and who understands how the industry works. So what I'm what I'm hoping that you'd be willing to share here is, again, from a patient perspective, you know what? What are some of the things that that we need to be thinking about? I mean, are are, are rates negotiable? Is is time negotiable? Like, I have, I have a friend who's an ENT, and 
I mean, as you said, you talk about you used to be with 15, 30 minutes with somebody. And I mean, there there are days where he would see like like 70 or 80 patients. I, I mean, just crazy numbers. And so, number one, things to think about in terms of like, is, is anything negotiable? Um, you know, should we be trying to, to it, just like you were buying anything else. I mean, if you go into a car dealer and you're going to be buying a, a $30,000 car, you know, you're going to try to, well, get the best deal that you possibly can. Well, if you're looking at potentially $30,000 in, in medical expenses, you know, every little bit helps, right? Because some of that's going to come out of pocket. So are, are there things that we need to be thinking about from that perspective? And then it, just in terms of how how do we get more from our doctors in, in so far as if they've got to see 70, 80 patients a day, how do we make sure that we at least get our, our due attention? Well, uh, you know, there were always people that would come in and say, let's make a deal. So, you know, just talking about it from the financial aspect really is not uh, is not the way that as a patient you should look at it. Um, I, I know as a patient myself, um, I want to know not what the cost of the care is as much as what I'm actually getting for that care. And, you know, who am I seeing? And, you know, like, what are they providing for me. So, at, you know, at this time of medical care, what I want to know is, um, is this a solo practitioner or does he have partners? Mm-hmm. Is he is he someone that can be always available to me or only during certain hours? If he's only there for certain hours, does he have coverage? How do I get in touch with him? What hospital is he affiliated with? Is he affiliated with a hospital? Um, you know, does he provide the services that, you know, like I'm interested in? When I speak to him, can I relate to him or does he talk down to me if I don't understand what the issues are? Suppose I like the doctor, but uh, I don't like his staff. His staff is uh, insulting or, you know, they snicker behind my back or they keep me sitting in the waiting room for three hours before I get to see the doctor. So no matter how much I might like the doctor, if, you know, if I don't get to see him or if I have to sit there for three hours and I'm made to feel uncomfortable, it's probably likely that I'm going to find somebody else. You know, nowadays, you know, satisfaction for patients really accounts for a lot. Um, you know, 88% of patients now go on to doctor's rating sites. And uh, when they're rating a doctor, they're not only rating the doctor, but they're rating the office and all of the staff in the office as well. So in addition to making a patient well, you have to make them feel comfortable and satisfied. And, you know, quite frankly, as a patient, don't we want that for ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So... And are you, you know, here in California, there's, you know, there's there's all of these groups like Kaiser Permanente and and Sharp Medical and, you know, some of these some of these groups that and and I know there's still like Aetna and Blue Cross and whatnot, but that don't have actual medical medical facilities per se are, are 
Are we better off going with uh, like an Aetna or some sort of insurance policy that gives you more flexibility, or should we be going to one of those groups? Because I know with Obamacare and all, you get to you know you can select and lower rates, or I don't know this, that, and the other. I don't know if any of that really holds true. But what's your what's your take on on that as you look at those options? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you go with a large group then you are going to be held um, accountable to that group as, as a doctor so that you may feel there's a particular treatment or a particular medication that would be best for the patient you're looking at. But the, the uh, large group may say, but you know what, we don't carry that medication or we don't approve that procedure because it's too much money. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of these Groups And even when Obamacare was developed, uh, you know, funny as this may sound, the people that were deciding upon the procedures to be done and the medications allowable were by businessmen that had absolutely no knowledge of medicine. What they had was knowledge of um, return of investment and costs. You know, let's face it, it's going to be cheaper to give somebody an aspirin and a wheelchair than to do a hip replacement. Yeah, right. So the fact of the matter is, is that something that you really want? Now, taking a look at Canada for a minute, you know, if somebody were to need a hip replacement, they're put on the list. Mm -hmm. You know, it will get done, but since it's considered an elective procedure, it might take two and a half, three years to get done. Uh, If somebody has a communicable disease or trauma, these countries that have national health plans are excellent. If you have trauma, in and out, done one, two, three, no worries, no money involved. Mm -hmm. And the same with the communicable disease because you don't want that spreading throughout the community. But if you have an elective problem, you know, it'll get done. It'll get done. It'll get done eventually. So that's why, like in Canada, what they do is cross the border and say, you know what, I've saved up the money and I want to be done. If they go to an American orthopedist, you know, they're put on the schedule for two weeks from then, as opposed to waiting for three years. So, yes, in terms of money, national health plans um, may seem attractive. And if you are well and you're never sick, you know what, it's a great plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're sick and you need help, uh, you know, help is not, you know, Im- there immediately. Yeah. So, Richie, I mean, with what's going on with your with your dad right now, um, any 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 insight that might be helpful for you to to move him through? Maybe let Barbara know what's going on here, and let the listeners know what's going on here for those who don't know. Um, but any any questions you might have, since you're kind of in the in the thick of it right now. Yeah, man, it's a tough one. Well, I'll start with found out he had stage four esophagus cancer and it had spread to bones and liver. So, you know, you get, if you go with just science, a lot of people is like, that's just grim. It's over, right? But we've also met a lot of people at the conferences that are like, oh, I've cured this cancer, cured that, you know, I'll take this stop eating sugar or whatever. And so, you know, I hear all these different angles, but, you know, I don't really have an exact question because from the majority of people, 
the type of cancer and spreading to all these other forms, it's doesn't look good. So I'm just spending a lot of time with him right now. But one question kind of you were alluding to earlier that I'm going to get a little more kind of is sometimes I feel like people just get them on the thing that's going to get them paid the most, Mm. you know, um, and again, I'm You're not talking about the doctors. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to throw a doctors under the bus. Yeah. at all. Yeah, like it's this is this is the conundrum. Like if we think of it as a business for a second, and we forget about it, forget their doctors and people, and trying to help people for a moment. The way you grow a business is to get more customers or to get more money out of your existing customers, right? If sure. we just get to the nuts and bolts of it, and there's various ways to do that. Um, and as Barbara's suggesting, you know, forming a deeper bond, but the system's not really set up for them. Mm-hmm. So there's other ways to do it. So it's how, I guess I would ask Barbara, like, what is that fine line where a doctor can still be that human connection that helps them with the most important thing in someone's life, their health? And and, the business. and still grow their business. Yeah. It's just a tough one, and I just I'd you love know, to hear your insight. What you're what you're asking in my mind is about three different, totally unrelated questions. So I'm just going to tackle one at a time. You know, unlike a lot of businesses, you know, there's no such thing as upsell. It's not like you say to a patient, you know. Um, I know we're going to be operating on your gallbladder, but did you ever think of maybe? You know, we take out your appendix at the same time. Right. <laughs> you know, you know there, there is no upsell the way there is in, you know, a non-medical field. And most, most physicians have no financial gain in a particular medication that they prescribe. You know, it's not that they get a percentage uh, or a commission for any medication that they prescribe. I think genuinely medication is prescribed because... Doctors feel that that is what would suit the patient best in terms of recovery. That being said, I'd like to move on at this point to yeah. second issue. Yeah. First of all, I I want to um, I want to share your pain with you. You know, I'm really sorry for the position that you're in, and you know, I, I just uh, I just feel for you. I'm really sorry. Thank you. Uh, what I would recommend is that since you've already gotten a good sense from your traditional physicians as to prognosis and treatment, um, what I would do is to go to uh, an integrative uh, practitioner. That's one who is not just alternative care, but who has integrated or meshed in his practice with both traditional and alternative care. So unlike going to just a nutritionist or, you know, um, a person that you might think is a little woo-woo, there are, you know, certified physicians that are looking at the issues from every aspect. They're, They're taking a look at both mind, body, and soul to try to stitch a person together. 
Um, and even if they cannot necessarily uh, make that person totally recover, um, at least we could make your father feel a lot more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And not just to feel that he's bedridden and counting the days or the hours, or for his family to count the days or the hours. You know, part of the hope that people have is knowing that perhaps they they have turned every stone and that they're they're doing something that that might help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I definitely would seek a consultation from. Uh, an integrative uh, practitioner. In addition to that, I would sit down with my father, although you probably have, but I'm just saying this for other people listening, um, is to say, uh, you know, what is on your bucket list? What is it that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Who is it that you would like to visit or speak to that you haven't done yet? You know, and I would try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I- I appreciate that input. I, I've done a little bit of it and being a podcaster, I've actually went and started recording some stuff with them. Did you? Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah what I'd also recommend while he's still in fairly good shape would be to do like a video with him. Um, you know, maybe he's the star attraction on the video and you're just asking him questions or just letting him talk because this is something that will be for posterity for your whole family in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really true. good idea. And you actually just showed me a camera <laughs> right before we got started here that you yeah. could do and, uh, and easily record that and put that up. All right, Barbara, we're going to um, we're going to have to wrap here in just a few minutes. But any um, l- let me ask you this. So first and foremost, any last Words of advice, whether it be directed towards the uh, the patients and their and their patient doctor relationship, or towards the doctors who might be listening and uh, who should be tuning into your, you know, marketing tips for doctors podcast when that launches. Well, patients should look to see ratings that doctors have. You know, they can't hide anymore. Find a doctor that you feel comfortable with and that's gotten good reviews. And if you're a doctor, you know what? It's time to make sure that your patients are satisfied. Educate them, entertain them, but most of all, engage them. Mm-hmm. And so to to that end, are there particular sites? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of on the mindset that, like, only people who either have something like awesome to say or something really crappy to say are the ones who actually take the time to leave a review. Like, are, are there any sites that you trust more than others when it comes to those ratings and reviews? Well, you know, on any given day, there is uh, a WebMD rates people, um, uh, vitals.com, mm-hmm. uh, rate your doctor, health grades, you know, there are several of them. And, uh, you know, even Yelp, although I don't think that Yelp is necessarily, uh, you know, what you would consider professional as much as the old yellow pages. Yeah, yeah. All right. And if people want more information about you, Barbara, where where should they go? What should they do? Um, What they could do is go into themedicalstrategist.com. What I'd also like to say, Steve, is yeah. for, for your listeners, um, I'd like to give a special gift. Sure. 
Um, so if they go into my site, themedicalstrategist.com, and go into the contact tab, um, I am going to provide um, 15 ways to leverage your content for successful marketing if you're a professional. Um, and if you are a patient, I would like to give you a chapter from my book, Power to the Patient. Okay, awesome. Well, really appreciate that, Barbara. And uh, I know it's it's a little bit of a sensitive subject because obviously you're you know you're you have this community of, of professionals that you are part of, and I know you can only go so deep with us. But uh, really appreciate the candor. Really appreciate you sharing what you did there. Go check out Barbara's Barbara Hale H A L E. Check out her work at themedicalstrategist.com, and then you can take her up on uh, on her offers there in the contact info. So. Thank you so much, Barbara, and uh, we'll talk to you really, really soon. Richie, it's an interesting discussion, you know. I mean, I, 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 it's kind of like the magician, you know, who wears the mask and reveals the magician's secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, like that guy has the mask on because he doesn't want to be lynched by all of his peers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of feel like there's some things that still go unsaid that – probably will remain unsaid just because i mean like you like we talked about i mean it's at the end of the day it's a business Mm -hmm. it is and it's it's the literally the toughest part i mean she made a good point there though that it's just not like traditional businesses yeah right if all the doctors made people well the lifetime value of that customer goes down too. Right, I know. So, I mean, it's a catch twenty two. And we I'm talk not about. necessarily saying they are trying to keep them sick by any means. Right, but, but it's just man. But if you cure them, yeah. All right. Well, lots to think about here, and uh, hopefully, this has opened up your eyes to ways that you can deal with your medical practitioner. And if you're a doctor, uh, obviously check out uh, what Barbara's got going on there with uh, with medical tips for doctors when that releases. For Richie Ote and White Wade, I'm Steve Olsher. Talk to you really, really soon. Take you care. just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, If you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to the reinventionworkshop.com today. That's the reinventionworkshop.com.